The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. We always say it and we always mean it. And have we got an exciting topic for you. Not sure if you ever thought of supply chain and blockchain in the same sentence, but that's what we're going to explore. Let's look at the buzz on the street today. I found a quote from Melanie Swan. If you're not familiar with her, S-W-A-N, like the bird, she's the author of a book titled Blockchain blueprint for a new economy. Here's the quote. Listen carefully. She says, we thought big data was big, but the potential quantization and tracking and administration of all classes of activity and reality via blockchain technology at both lower and higher resolutions hints at the next orders of magnitude progression up from the current big data era that is itself still developing. I know that's a very, very, very long sentence without any punctuation. I put in the comma just because I needed to take a breath. But what we're talking about is blockchain is big, it's growing, and it has a lot of promise or does it. So let's get going here. Based on its hyped availability to do all kinds of amazing things, including end-to-end value, driving end-to-end value, eliminating inefficiencies, improving customer experience, and what company doesn't want that? Blockchain is powering digital transformation for companies around the world. If, dear listeners, you are new to this and you don't know what blockchain is, you can look it up, but I'll give you one tiny little explanation. It's a decentralized, distributed ledger payment system that uses cryptocurrency, and you may have also heard the word Bitcoin, we will explain. So, sounds great. Sounds like a panacea, a cure-all. Everything's going to be beautiful in the world. However, there is some risk. What are the pros and cons of a blockchain-enabled supply chain for your company? And can this exciting, innovative technology really fuel, streamline, and digitize your company's networks? Well, we've got two experts in this field to help us figure this out. I am so pleased. In just a minute, I will be introducing you to Irfan Khan, CEO and President of Bristlecone, and he'll tell us again what he does. And Bristlecone has been on before. We're so happy to have Irfan back. Joining him on the panel is another returning panelist, Richard Howells, VP of Solution Management for Supply Chain at SAP. And they've been on before. I don't think they've been on together on a Game Changer show, so we're very excited. Irfan has sent us an opening quote from Anand Mahindra, still around, born in 1955. 
chairman and managing director of Mahindra Group. Uh, he is hailed as the Federator by Forbes magazine in India. And let's see, he was named by Fortune magazine to the world's 50 greatest leaders and featured in four fortunes. Asia's 25 Most Powerful Business People in 2011 and named in 2013 by Forbes India as the Entrepreneur of the Year. We're talking about Anand Mahindra, and here is the quote, Irfan. Irfan may have such accolades, too. I haven't seen them yet, but I'm sure they're coming. Here's the quote Irfan has selected. It's not just how big we become, but also how we become big. Irfan Khan, so excited to have you back. How have you been? Bonnie, it's always a pleasure to come back to the show. I've been good. You are very, very kind. It's it's good good weather today. Uh, Well, it's wait a minute, California. So it's seven oh six in the morning. You are my trooper, my champion. Thank you so much for the early call, Irfan. I love the quote from Mahindra. This is a good one. So why don't you do the deep dive for me and tell me how we make the leap of faith from this quote to our topic about and the topic officially. By the way, I didn't say it yet. Is blockchain technology a hit or a miss? For a supply chain network. So tell me the story, Irfan. How does one get to sure, from one Bonnie, to the other? And, uh, hi, Richard. Happy to be on the show with you. Uh, if you look at this quote, it's uh, the, 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 the most exciting thing about the quote is simplicity. It's not how big we become. It's how we become big. And if you look at what it's saying, is it's not just about the size. It's about the path to the size. And now you extrapolate this to what we're going to talk about, right? There was a time supply chain was supposed to be a back-end operations, right? It's become a center stage as we move towards 2020 and beyond, which means uh, the chief supply chain officer pretty much runs the backbone of the company. Case in point, Apple, right? Now, you fast forward that. How do we take supply chain to the next generation? There are certain stacks of technology which are underlying stacks, and one of the stacks which becomes very relevant, which we're talking about is blockchain, because, and you describe blockchain. Uh, I mean, in short, it's a record-keeping mechanism that makes it easier and safer for businesses to work together over the Internet. That's about it. That is what blockchain is all about. Okay. Now, you take that and you complement this as supply chain. You're building world-class transparency on businesses, which has always been issue. That's how I describe why it's big. And that's the path for us to become big. Back to you, Bonnie. Very interesting. Thank you, Irfan. And what we're looking at, we've done some other, on my other Game Changer series, everybody seems to be covering blockchain. And the big question is, is it all hype if you... Open the kimono, an old-fashioned phrase. Uh, Richard may remember it. I'm not sure about Irfan. Um, if, if you open the kimono and look, is there really a lot of substance behind the hype? Is it dangerous? Is it a smart business decision? Is it going to solve all the problems? And that's what we're here to talk about today. Irfan, thank you so much for the great opening. And by the way, have you read Melanie Swan's book, Blockchain Blueprint yes, for a New did. Economy? Yes, I I'm a big fan of hers. And ah. uh, I'm, I'm impressed the kind of books you normally refer on your show. It's Most of the time, they are worth reading. That's great. Thanks for bringing it up again, Bonnie. Oh, you are so kind. You know, every time I look for an opening buzz quote about blockchain, I keep running into long passages 
quoted online from Melanie Swan. <laughs> and I said to myself, duh, Bonnie, you have to finally give her some credit and mention her in an opening quote because I have a feeling lots and lots of people are reading her books and getting a lot from them. She That was a long sentence, though, Irfan, you have to admit. It did, did demand a comma in there somewhere. So I, I took poetic <laughs> license. Thank you very much, Irfan. Pleasure to have you back. And we'll talk to you about Bristlecone in a few minutes. And now waiting patiently in the wings, I want to call him Sir Richard Howells just because I can, VP of Solution Management for Supply Chain at SAP. Richard has sent us a quote that we've all heard a thousand times. So I went and looked up the source of the quote. I'll tell you in a second. And I found out the following. The quote was originally said in a Danish publication, Farvel og Tak, which is goodbye and thanks in Danish in 1948. It, the first English language attribution was the Journal of the Royal Statistical Society Series A in 1956. Richard, I hope you're following along and connecting the dots. In 1961, it was credited to, uh, again, to a Danish humorist. In 1971, it was attributed to Niels Bohr, who had died nine years earlier. In 1979, it was attributed to Samuel Goldwyn of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, who died five years earlier. It, in 1991, it was attributed to Yogi Berra in a Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia tourism marketing piece. In 1998, it was attributed to Mark Twain. And in 2000, it was attributed to both Yogi Berra and Mark Twain by the Rand Corporation. Here's the quote everybody hopefully is dying to hear. It's difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. So I think we'll just say Yogi Berra, Mark Twain, Samuel Goldwyn, Niels Bohr, Danish humorist, and Farvel Ogtok all thought it was a brilliant quote. Richard, thank you for the exercise. <laughs> I hope I didn't bore you. <laughs> Welcome, Richard Howells. How have you been? I am great, thank you, Bonnie. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. I hope you appreciate all the research I did on your quote. Which, what's your favorite attribution? Um, I always like uh, Mark Twain's quotes, but uh, Yogi Berra was the one that has uh, also gets attributed lots of quotes. But it scared me a little that your history shows that it's not a very good quote to make because people die five years before they say it. <laughs> so, it obviously did predict the future. Well, that's a good way. Now, let's get serious, Richard. And you made me laugh before we started on the show, and I told you to stop that. I have to be serious. Blockchain is very serious, and supply chain is serious. And we have to do a shout-out to the people behind the scenes who put you and Irfan together for this topic. It's uh, Suzanne Ellis, Shane Ellis at SAP. So shout-out to them. So tell me, Richard, let's get serious. It's difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. Let's connect the dots from that futuristic quote to blockchain and supply chain today, right now? Good, bad, or ugly? Well, thought, what do you think? I thought the quote was perfect for setup because that's exactly what we're doing because blockchain is new. It's not well um, leveraged across the supply chain at the moment, but there's huge opportunities. I mean, I did a little bit of research as well before this. I haven't read the book, by the way, but I will read it. I can guarantee you. So um, when... Gartner did a report recently on their hype cycle for supply chain. They did claim that blockchain has the opportunity to be transformational with the caveat that the market penetration at the moment is only at 1%. And that's, that's the challenge that we face is identifying the right places. I mean, supply, all supply chains now are global. We have distributed data. We have distributed companies. We have many nodes in the supply chain all over the world. And they all have to collaborate, share data, and, and work together. And I think we need to identify the areas where blockchain can help in addressing some of those challenges and find the right, the right uh, value propositions. 
but it is a prediction of the future because today there are not thousands and thousands of companies saying I'm using blockchain in supply chain. I think if we talk in two or three years' time, there will be thousands of companies using it in block, uh, blockchain and supply chain. And I'm sure we'll be discussing some of the opportunities and areas as we go through the, the discussion. Yes, we will. And thank you for that. Let me ask you a question, Richard, and then I'll, I'll pose it to Irfan as well. Is this a question of somebody in a company saying, you know, we really need some serious overhaul of our supply chain. The world is digitizing, digitalizing, whichever verb you prefer. Things are moving on. This It sounds promising. Let's go assign a team to look into it, present some use cases, and then let's take a leap of faith. Is it that kind of energy that has to happen at the at what level of a company, Richard? First, Richard, answer. Where is it coming from? I think it starts at the top. And I think that uh, we're in a time in, with, with technology in particular where several technologies are coming together uh, to, to enable the digitization of supply chains. I mean, I, in, the Internet of Things generates lots of big data. Big data is a term we're hearing all the time. Internet of Things is a big driver of big data. Big data is going to be leveraged um, through technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence to improve business processes. But all of this requires security and security of the information and access to information across a distributed network. And that's where blockchain can come in. So it's, it's bringing all of it. It's not just saying I want to leverage blockchain. I want to solve certain business problems and I need to pull together several technologies together to solve those problems. And blockchain is one of those that should be able to help moving forward. Thank you very much. I hear some promise and a lot of optimism in those statements. Irfan Khan at Bristlecon, what do you think? Agree or disagree with Richard? Well, you know, I absolutely agree with Richard's point. Uh, Richard made some couple of good points. Now, let me take a step back. And uh, if you look at, uh, you know, and especially with Bristlecon, where we, we, uh, we breed supply chain in and out for the last 18 years, and we are fundamentally the largest pool of supply chain consultants on the planet right now. 2,500 people just do the same thing. I think the question we have to look at is, uh, we know what blockchain is. We just defined it. But, Bonnie, that how will blockchain affect the supply chain? First question. Mm-hmm. What are the main challenges of use of blockchain in supply chain? Second question. How do we see industry adopting blockchain? Are we there or not? Third question. And are there any industries which are showing a promise versus other industries? These are four dimensions of any technology and this one being the underlying technology. So I'm going to take probably 20 seconds each on each one of them. Uh, If you look at how will it affect the supply chain, right? If blockchain technology allows us more security and transparency to track all type of transactions, imagine and possibilities, imagine the possibility it presents across the supply chain. Every time a product exchanges hands, the transaction could be documented, creating a permanent history of a product from manufacturing to sale, how powerful it is, and how does it affect tracking and recording of the quantity and transfer of assets or, or purchase orders of the, or during the transaction and supply chain. Challenges. Supply chain itself is a huge complex and massive by, in scope. It's, it, and I'm not surprised that supply chain is slow in adopting innovative technology. It's been a history. In our world, Technology, innovation, and adoption is the slowest, especially one that might disrupt the incumbent business model today. So, firstly, there's a lot of pushback from internal forces against decentralization to be expected, which would be the biggest challenge we see from a blockchain, right? 
the, to realize sustainable benefit from an open, decentralized system where number of parties from multiple countries, languages interact. In some kind of common data and operating standards are necessary for this challenge right now. How do you Thank see you. the industry adopting blockchain? Mm-hmm. Bullet. It's interesting technology. It might, but it is the slowest right now. And you know, to to Richard's point and the hype curve, if you see, it's still maturing, right? Compared to IoTs, AI, robotics. On the other hand, because blockchain is a backend technology, most companies don't need to proactively invest in exploring its value. We will know, and you and I, when we're talking on the phone a few years down the line, we'll actually know that it's mature when people don't even use the term blockchain. Just the way people don't use the word TCPIP when talking about the internet right now. Right? Finance is a good industry, but food industry, especially in fresh and packaged food, is probably the second fastest growth industry we will see right now. So it's maturing. It's coming up, Bonnie. Good to know. Well, that that's a positive note. And now on a positive note, I want to know a couple of questions. We know, Irfan, you're in West Coast time zone right now. So thank you again for the early call. Question for you. We know where you are. What are you drinking today, Irfan? You know, that's a two-part question. Number one, if you're drinking something really, really interesting, I want to know. If not, forget about what's in your cup right now. And I want to know, what would you rather be drinking that makes you smile? Irfan, talk yeah. to me. I'll, I'll, it's a funny thing which happened in the morning. As I drink, I drink tea. I'm a tea drinker, and uh, so I had a cup of tea. Uh, I called up somebody very inspirational out of the East Coast. Had a chat with with her, and and as I was drinking, I have a little dog Rebel, and I see him staring at me. And normally, you know, they stares at the food. So I put the cup right in front of him, and you can see the steam coming out. And I said, "Drink it." And you should have seen the reaction. It was so funny because he went for it and then he stepped back and he looked at me saying, you think I'm a dog? I mean, you know, I, I know what you're making. It was, it was just a funny expression on his face. He's looking at me saying, what do you think? I mean, I'm not a dog. I'm an intelligent guy. I can figure it out. So, yeah, it was a funny moment in the morning. Uh, that was my morning. What kind of tea was it? Come on, I need more information, Irfan. What uh, kind of tea? English breakfast. That's, uh, you know, you when you grow up in India, you have a good English breakfast where you Boil the milk. You put you put the stuff. You 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 work it the the old school way. No dips. There you go. Thank you very much. I, I have to tell you, last night on my, my other radio show, I have a show called Read My Lips, where I interview mostly brand new authors who were mostly self-published, not all. And there was a woman who is a human animal naturalist, uh, former, I think she was a biochemist. She's into plant-based foods. Uh, she was a Hollywood producer. This woman's been, been all over the place. And she wrote a book about, I think it's called, I don't have it in front of me, it's called Dog, Your Dog is Doctor, Your Cat is Nurse, How Animals Can Improve Our Health Because They're So Intuitive and So Into Who We Are and They Can Help Us Do Things Like, Well, Get Up and Take Me for a Walk, Damn It. It's Time to Get Your Morning Ritual Going, You Know, Dog Owner, Cat, Whatever, Cat Lover. And uh, it just reminded me what you said, reminded me of her book, which has some charming stories about how people relate to dogs and cats that help improve the human's health. You you subscribe to that, Irfan? Uh, absolutely. I mean, they're the best thing we could do. And you'll also notice that over generations, my theory is that over generations now, they've understood human language more than they used to. So it's interesting if you watch them, sometimes you feel they just know what you're talking. It's beautiful to watch, to watch them. And there you go. Care. 
Yeah. There you go. Thank you for your story and a shout out to Rebel. Is that Rebel Khan? Does he have That's your right. same last name? You got it. Re- Rebel Khan. K H A N. Okay, he's on my fan list now. Thank you. Richard Howells, where are you calling from today? And what's in your cup or what would you rather be drinking? Um, what I'd rather be drinking might be a different answer, but I am in Bo- near Boston, Massachusetts. You can probably tell from my accent. I, 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 like to tell, <laughs> sure. I like to tell people I have the original Boston accent. So I am drinking, uh, being from Boston and not really being a, a coffee snob, I am drinking coffee, but it's good old Dunkin' Donuts, uh, a, a New England brand. And thank you. And what? Just the regular whatever they're pouring in the morning, or is and you ask for oh, anything I, special? I, I brew my own, but it's a hazelnut. I am a hazelnut drinker. Ah, that sounds delicious. And by the way, both of you know me well enough to know they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. So even though I'm out of the hustle and bustle of New York, I'm now in Durham, North Carolina. My new office is here in my home. I'm drinking the same cool, clear mug with a cool, clear water from my cool, clear Brita filter with a pink straw because it is a magnificent fall day here, October 3rd, 2017. Not a cloud in the sky. A little bit of a breeze. I'd say it's probably high 60s, low 70s. And that's all I'm going to say. So it's water for me. And guess what? We're having a very potent conversation here with Irfan Khan at Bristlecone and Richard Howells at SAP. Irfan, before we go to break, just give us a little background on Bristlecone. You mentioned you're in the supply chain business, but give us a little background on uh, when did the company start and, and what do you actually do? We started uh, 18 years back, uh, Bonnie, uh, in, in the valley out of Santa Clara. And uh, interestingly, if you ex-SAP uh, product managers started the company, so our uh, mm. baseline stack at SAP, and then but company over years now uh, uh, have now uh, transformed itself to a supply chain uh, company. Where fundamentally, what we do is we make supply chains anti-fragile. That's what we do. And you used the word digitize earlier on. And if you remember, in my last. Uh, uh, interview, I said, we fundamentally make supply chain anti-fragile. That's what we do. Uh, there's a transformation element of it. There is a stack, of course, tech stacks are there. SAP is one of the most prominent ones we use uh, to bring value. And the company is approximately over 2,000 people now. We're crossing 2,500 uh, based in San Jose headquartered at this point of time. And Gartner has been rating us in the top 10 uh, in terms of our uh, expertise. Uh, 140 customers and a part of the Mahindra Group, uh, which is a, a $19 billion group uh, out of Asia. It's a federation. They they form companies, they buy companies, they seed companies, and let them take their organic or inorganic paths. So uh, that's the background uh, of BristolCon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Always good to catch up with you. Gentlemen, we're ready for our break. And to our audience, you know the drill by now. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to take just about 90 seconds. You're welcome to count them off while we do. And I'm going to be chatting with Irfan and Richard off air. We're going to pick the topic we're going to use to kick off the roundtable segment of the show in earnest. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Kevin out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your digital supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. In fact, everything he said is true. It is exciting. We are talking with Game Changers, Irfan Khan at Bristlecone and Richard Howells at SAP, both returning guests from various and sundry Game Changers shows. We have a very serious topic here. Blockchain technology, a hit or a miss for supply chain networks. This impacts companies all over the world in a range of industries. I'm going to start off the roundtable with some notes from Irfan Khan. Let's see what he says. He told me he wants to talk about disruptions and impact on industry. Let me read a little bit here. Technological disruptions impact the world most and the supply chain stakeholders, systems, and people by slowing down processes and altering the flow of money. Let's talk about which industries this is most prominently disrupting right now. Irfan, it's all yours. Sure, Bonnie. Um, Let's look at uh, today. You know, we've heard enough about, you know, finance industry leveraging blockchain. Let's look at what are the other industries which will benefit in the real term, and then we can use some use cases. For example, food industry, as I mentioned earlier, in particular, fresh packaged food industry. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised to know that contaminated foods cause around 400,000 deaths every year in the U.S. And it can take weeks to identify precise point of contamination, causing further illness, lost revenue, and wasted products right now. But today, with these technologies, uh, address these challenges by enabling all participants in the global food supply chain, whether it's growers, whether it's suppliers, whether it's processors, distributors, retailers, regulators. Now, that's a, that's a very, very powerful use case. If you look at three others, finance, right? The finance industry can and already using to redesign costly legacy workflows, improve liquidity and free up capital, right? And uh, the technology can also help reduce infrastructure cost, increase transparency, reduce fraud, 
improve execution and settlement times. So multiple governments in small nations are also examining blockchain's potential for replacing national currency as we know. Retail and manufacturing, right? Better supply chain management, smart contract platforms, digital currencies, tighter cybersecurity, important. For example, growers, suppliers, processors, distributors, retailers, regulators, all of these guys could potentially gain permission or, or can gain permission to access about the origin and the state of food in their transaction. And that's, that's powerful. Healthcare. Blockchain can also allow people to allow, have access to your healthcare record and grant people access or revoke a person's access from your healthcare record and have the data always anchored, encrypted, and protected in blockchain. That's powerful, right? Government, the transparency and traceability of how money is spent in the government, huge. It could also be track asset registration, vehicles, reduce fraud in operations. If you look at any dimensions, finance, retail, healthcare, mm-hmm. government, they, it's all coming in, slowly taking in, in terms of use cases. Thank you. I like that positive side of it. Let's see if Richard Howells agrees or disagrees, Richard, and you want to bring in a couple of more industries, or you're welcome to challenge what Irfan said regarding no. blockchain improving supply chain. Go ahead. Sure. I, I fully agree with the industries that were mentioned. I mean, one of my favorite stories that I read recently is about uh, the coffee industry, talking about drinking coffee in the mornings. I mean, mm-hmm. today, the, the market millennials today are, are really interested in the quality, the origin, and the sustainability of their products, which calls for greater traceability in a global supply chain that starts in 70% of the coffees com- coming from Africa. And there's, there's a company that I read about recently that have built a, a, a mobile robot that grades the coffee. So the, the, the robot is, or is in, the, in the fields. The farmer puts their coffee in the fields. It generates the grade of coffee. It determines the quality of it, how, how, how many of the, of the cherries are of good quality or not good quality, and then determines a price and leverages blockchain to, uh, to agree a, a price with, with a buyer in New York Hmm. And then if the, if, the, if the farmer agrees to the price, then automatically a blockchain transaction is generated to, to pay for it. And if you go take that information one step further, the, 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 the person sitting in that, that coffee shop in New York can, should be able to go online and see the same information about the specific lot of coffee that they bought, whether the farmer got paid a fair price, whether it was a, a, a fair trade uh, sanctioned um, order, and the quality of the coffee and where it came from. It's, a, it's just a different model of getting better information. Other industries, though, that I'm seeing the opportunity for, for blockchain is the pharmaceutical industry to avoid counterfeiting and, and counterfeiting of goods and tracking and tracing every step in the process so that you can ensure that, that the, the, uh, the pills that you're taking are, are, uh, not, have not been tampered with and are officially the, the right products. Any industry that leverages spare parts there's a huge opportunity for tracking and tracing those spare parts and inventory through a blockchain secured transaction. If I'm sitting on an aeroplane, I'd, I'd, I'd want to be 100% sure that all the parts are of the right quality that have been tested. Uh, the airline industries can track all sorts of things like how many hard landings a machine has had, the wear and tear of tires, what maintenance has happened. So they have traceability of all of the different actions. As we generate more and more data 
through more and more tools such as and leveraging the Internet of Things and sensors to capture all of in, information in a distributed environment anywhere that requires that type of information. Any industry can leverage a blockchain technology to, to, to secure those transactions and have visibility of those transactions. Very interesting. So, so Richard, let me ask you, if this is so great, what you and Irfan are saying, there are mature use cases, it's being used, why isn't every industry already embracing it? Is it a question of, we talked about it has to start at the top, does somebody have to uh, green light, gold star, green stamp, yes, we want to use blockchain. What is, what's the barrier? I, we may be getting ahead of ourselves in terms of how we were going to approach this in the roundtable, but I'm curious, if it's so great for some industries, is it great for all and and what's stopping everyone from listening to this radio show right now, the brilliance of Richard Howells and Irfan Khan, and saying, wow, I'm going to go out and get blockchain in my company, my industry. This afternoon, we've got to do it. So what's stopping them? <laughs> Rich, Richard first. <laughs> Richard. Well, in many cases, the examples that we, we, we both gave are where we could go with blockchain. I mean, the example I did gave is a, is a live proof of concept but, uh, with the coffee example, but it's, it's right at the start of its, of its inception. Um, but but the, uh, the challenge is that you need examples of companies that have done it. You need to work with companies with experience in blockchain, and there aren't that many out there at the moment. So it's 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 a learning curve. We're at the start of a hockey stick, I think, and, and over the next few years, that, that, that hockey stick curve will happen, but we're right at the bottom of that curve at the moment, and the factoid from, uh, from Gartner about 1% penetration is the challenge. There's... there's you, you don't know where to go to get the examples of, of, of real-life uh, people doing this today. And that's okay. where companies, consul- consulting companies like, to be honest, like Bristolcone come in to help in many cases. Thank you. And that's a perfect segue to Irfan. Irfan, agree or disagree that there's a learning curve? We're seeing the early part of the hockey stick. It's hard to always find those positive use cases. Where do you position yourself on that, Irfan? Yeah, absolutely in agreement with what he said. And I go back to my quote, Bonnie. It's it's how we become big. It's the path, and every path has a maturity curve. Any path, you, you know. So, for example, if you look at uh, if you look at blockchain, has a great advantage in terms of cybersecurity. We know, but you might have also noticed that much of what is being discussed are betas scheduled to occur at some point of time in future. And there are there are mm-hmm. there are real practical challenges we see, and we we are probably uh, uh, forerunners in the space, but I'll tell you the challenges we face. First of all, the technological talent is scarce and expensive, uh, 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 and much of it has been scooped up by fintech startup firms right now. The talent pool, the finance industry has taken most of it. Then there are network effects associated with deriving value from blockchain in logistics. More entities, the more entities they participate, the more valuable the solution is, but this network effects makes things difficult to start. It takes time. It is likely to get it to scale. Large companies will need to require their supply chain partner to participate, but this could hinder the, the drive to create the necessary standards. Further, several organizations are seeking to play the necessary role of standard bodies. None of, none of this has been achieved so far. Miners are used to validate the data added to a blockchain is valid. With bitcoins, the process can take several minutes. This, the supply chain processes where less latency could be very desirable. So in summary, it is a, it's a very interesting technology. 
But as I mentioned earlier, it may be the least mature of all the technologies right now. And it's going to take some time for us to mature. So it's, it's, it's the path. It's how we make it big. It's going to take some time. So it's something to look forward to. I can't wait for us to get to our crystal ball predictions rounds. I think we'll set a set a line, uh, a stake in the sand, or however I say it, for uh, 2020 and see what you both think, what will change. So let's move on to some notes from Richard Howells. Um, Richard, I want to talk about, you sent me a quote here from a recent piece in Harvard Business Review. Michael J. Casey and Pindar Wong observed the blockchain will produce dynamic demand chains in place of rigid supply chains, resulting in the most efficient resource resource use of all. Can you de- decode that for me, please, Richard? What are we talking about, rigid and dynamic? How, how do companies benefit from that? Well, I think we're moving from an era of supply chains to supply networks. I mean, that's been happening for a long time because we've got many sources of supply, um, many, many different omni-channel sales channels of, of getting to the consumer. So the complexity is increasing in the supply chain. And um, whether we have technology or not, the complexity is changing. Technology can only help uh, manage that complexity and, and, and dynamic uh, nature of the supply chains. So the quote itself, I think that complexity is happening regardless of the technology that the blockchain and other technologies can help manage that complexity. I mean, we're, we, 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 we need more visibility and better visibility to, to customers and customers want better visibility of their suppliers so that they can c- continually... Um, ensure that the sustainability of their suppliers and the goods that they're, su- they're supplying and, and purchasing. So it's, it's every step of the supply chain process is becoming more complex and, and we need to leverage technology to, to manage that complexity. Interesting, interesting. Irfan, love to get your thoughts. Do you agree or disagree with this? Anything you want to add to this about dynamic demand versus rigid? Yeah, no, so I think uh, I agree with uh, what he mentioned because... Uh, uh, variability is the only constant we're going to left with, Bonnie. If you actually look at uh, the future, uh, most of the customers, and you know, we sit with some some very serious customers who wants to make, they really want to make the blockchain as the backbone of the supply chain digitization. They want to, they believe in that, because that probably would be the only way to counter variability going forward. But the the area which we should also talk about, if you have time somewhere down the line, is mm-hmm. what are the mis- misconceptions on blockchain? There's a lot of misconception also. So the, the important thing to understand any technology before you adapt is to understand what it does not do. Let's do because it. Let's, that, let's, let's, go right, let's go there right now. Go ahead. So now we're so, talking about so, misconceptions, myths and misconceptions. Yeah. Go ahead. So think about number one, and this is something we hear all the time, blockchain, blockchain is a database. It's not a database. In fact, it's more of a ledger than a database added with cryptography and consensus-based mining, right? So that's one thing we tell the client, right? Second misconception, public and uh, permissionless blockchain is suitable for all foreseeable use cases. Well, I repeat, public and permissible blockchain is suitable for all foreseeable use cases. Open and permissionless blockchain will have a hard time finding use cases in government and public sectors, especially to stores, public assets, and identification of information. It's very difficult to fathom the federal, state, local entities 
they'll use open and global blockchain to transact digital assets. However, they would be they might be permissioned in private blockchain in future. Third misconception: there's only one blockchain. There's no, there's no such thing as the blockchain. It comes in various shapes, sizes, colors. If they all share a roughly similar architect, they're very different in how they work and what they're good at. The last one, which is most common, blockchain can be used to store documents. It's not a database, not a cloud. It doesn't allow users to store any kind of physical information, such as image files and documents. However, blockchain can provide a proof of existence. The last one where people are absolutely scared about, and that's also one of the reasons adoption is slow, everyone can see private information on blockchain. But because transactions between Bitcoin wallets, addresses, are accessible to public via blockchain explorers, people assume that private information about users are also accessible. That's absolutely false. What is stored on the ledger is nothing more than an amount of transaction and a hash. And hash is a code obtained mm-hmm. by running actual transaction details. So these four or five things are also a mental block or a decision-making blocks in larger organizations. So we've got to make sure we clean that piece out too before it moves faster. Back to you, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Irfan. Uh, Richard Howells, you agree with the misconception, well, let's call it the myth-busting Irfan just shared with us about blockchain. It's not a cloud. It's not a place to store physical information. It's not one-size-fits-all, one color, one shape, one one place it is. It's not a database. Richard, you want to, I hope I'm paraphrasing this accurately, Irfan. Richard, any thoughts on this? You agree or disagree with the uh, well, with the definition? Well, to summarize all of, uh, of what Ifran said is that blockchain isn't the answer to isn't the answer. It's part of the answer. It's part of the solution. I think it's a collection of technologies, as I mentioned a little earlier, that will come together and blockchain being part of it to, to enable the distrib- distribution side of things and the, and the security side of, of transactions. But there are other technologies that will have to be leveraged with blockchain to, to, to drive a, a digital supply chain. The Internet of Things uh, is definitely a big thing that works in parallel with blockchain to, to generate all of that data. And then having the tools to analyze and to, uh, to, to leverage that da- big, big data through machine, machine learning and artificial intelligence are critical. But blockchain is part of that solution from a, from a security tr- uh, standpoint, in my opinion. Thank you. Very interesting. Learning a lot here. It's great to do this myth-busting and level-setting, I like to call it. Irfan, anything else you want to add to that? I'm looking at the time. We've got a whole, let's see, eight minutes until we go to our predictions round. I'm uh, scanning here. Let's see. I'm scanning your notes. Um, let me look and see where we want to go. Ah, Okay. Let's talk about Bitcoin. I don't think we've really done a deep dive. And on a show I did last week about Bitcoin, I learned that there are something called, was it ICOs? Am I in the right place on this, gentlemen? ICOs, and there are designer Mm -hmm. Bitcoins, and a lot of celebrities are touting 
I'm investing in such and such Bitcoin. Let's talk about cryptocurrencies because if anybody is new to this concept, we can do some level setting, not just on what blockchain is or is not, but what cryptocurrencies are because they're part of this whole thing. Irfan, you want to kick this off? Cryptocurrency, yeah, Bitcoin, no, talk to you me. You know, it's funny. I, I told my daughter earns pocket money and I told her I'm going to start paying in Bitcoin and she gave me that look the other day. I was like, you know, what if I give you Bitcoins? And she, she understood the word coin. She was confused about the bit. So it was quite hilarious. But think about what is a Bitcoin. It's, it's essentially a most popular application of blockchain technology is Bitcoin. It's a currency system that has taken tech-savvy merchants by storm today. And the exciting thing is that Bitcoin protocol can be used for non-currency purposes too. Hmm. So it was Bitcoin was initially intended for financial transactions. Business of all kinds are getting creative with blockchain ledger as it can be used to track, track, record, track, verify, trade, or virtually anything that holds value, right? So, yes, Bitcoin is a currency. People are investing in it. Uh, but there is a lot of nervousness around, too, because it's not, it's not as a part of the system. As I said, uh, it's not used. And it's not fully inducted into the society. So, uh, it's, but it is definitely gives us a clear visual of what a virtual currency would look like. That's how I define Bitcoin. Okay. Richard, what's your definition of Bitcoin? And would you invest ever like a movie star? Oh, I know you're a movie star, Richard House. But would you ever invest in a designer Bitcoin? <laughs> Talk to me about that. Uh, well, I, I think Bitcoin, as, as uh, Ifan said, is, is the main use case for blockchain at the moment. But it is or it could become, in theory, the global currency, because it it, it it's a it's or the global electronic currency because it it transcends all of those different currencies to to simplify transactions and speed up transactions. If you can speed up a the movement of money by a few days in 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 business or in the supply chain, then everyone's happy in that they get paid earlier. They can guarantee they're getting paid, and they can see the money in their account almost in, instantaneously. So I think the banks need to look at, at Bitcoin and uh, address some of the challenges they have at the moment because Bitcoin <clears throat> looks to alleviate those those issues. So it, 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 it has the potential of, uh, of becoming a global currency. I have a, a personal use case story here, gentlemen. I hope you'll indulge me for just a second. Then I'm going to talk about the celebrities investing in, in flavors and colors of Bitcoin. Um, I recently discovered that I had a line of credit attached to a mortgage that I'm paying off because I've sold my co-op in New York. And we cannot proceed to closing without, quote-unquote, closing this line of credit. Well, I never used it. I was advised to take it as a, what if you need $100,000? I never took a penny. But in its infinite wisdom, a certain very large county on Long Island requires me to have a processing fee to close, officially close the line of credit that they never used. It's $350. They want $350 from me to close a line of credit that is sitting on my mortgage. Okay? Very interesting. I was advised by the bank that gave me the line of credit that it will take between 6 and 30 days to do that transaction and that I have to oh, hold on. It gets better. I have to express mail my check for $350 in order to get it into their hands so they can start the process of closing the line of credit that I never used. 
Are you understanding all of this? So I contacted my attorney who's handling the closing, and I said, Bill, whatever it costs, take it out of my skin at the closing. Get the damn $350 check to the county clerk so the closing isn't held up to close the line of credit that I never used. Now, I'm thinking, Irfan and Richard, as you're talking, if we were sophisticated and we could use Bitcoin, how many minutes or seconds would it take to get that money into the hands of the county clerk to do this? Richard or or Irfan, anybody want to give me the good news or the bad news? In the time that you press enter on your phone. That's it. You know, it's phenomenal, uh, Bonnie, how the experience will change. And as Richard had mentioned, these are all enablers, right? I mean, if you, if you look at, uh, uh, you know, if somebody really asks me a question saying, how does it impact uh, supply chain? My answer is, it enables certain use cases of supply chain. And that experience is going to change. The biggest piece about... Uh, uh, biggest value it brings is is the transparency and efficiency, and and if you look at today the topic of supply chain is it's all about the everywhere people are spending money to do two things: mm-hmm. increase transparency and efficiency. And what you just talked about, your yours use case of efficiency, it's an inefficient system right now. Yes, and then, and the, the, what what I'm excited about this is it kind of brings a topic in everybody's mind, the most expensive asset you have at your disposal is your time, mm-hmm. which most of us fail to understand that, right? And we tell you, <laughs> the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, uh, I sometimes do guest lectures at the end of the colleges in UNIVS, and I, I tell the kids saying, the most expensive asset you have is your time, and you think it's the only thing which you is disposable. Now, what it's, That's what, right. what it's doing to the society is, it essentially gives you currency in terms of time, so you could focus on something more valuable, whether it's your family, whether it's your work-life balance, whether on taking some more strategic decisions, because it brings transparency and efficiency in the entire ecosystem. That's huge. I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. Now, quick, quick comment here before we go to predictions, which we're going to start in two minutes. I just opened an article called 10 Celebrities Investing in, Using, and Talking About Bitcoin. This article is three and a half years old, and the celebrities include Ashton Kutcher, who certainly is, uh, he's been known to be an investor on Shark Tank, and he is the co-founder of Venture Fund A-Grade Investments, who invested in BitPay, uh, Nas, NAS, rapper and songwriter, along with his manager and investor and more than 40 startups, including digital wallet company Coinbase. Okay, uh, they uh, they raised $25 million in Series B funding raised by, led by Andreessen Horowitz. Lily Allen uh, said she uh, had declined the opportunity to perform a live gig because of something they wouldn't pay on Bitcoin. Okay, Mel B, the ex-Spice Girl and... and uh, uh, America's Got Talent judge just partnered with a London-based company called Cloud Hashing to become the first musical artist to accept Bitcoin to purchase her music. Donald Glover is involved, Roseanne Barr, Drew Carey, Richard Sherman, uh, Chad Johnson, Snoop Dogg. Those are the 10 celebrities. Are you shocked or not? Irfan Khan, quick comment, and then Richard, go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm not shocked, and uh, you know they have, but this is one of their portfolios you have to keep in mind. They have multiple such portfolios, and they, you know, you can only make big money by taking higher risks. So the propensity of risks are higher, and they have they have enough liquidity to make sure they invest in portfolios. So I wouldn't, I would say, makes sense 
from their point of view. Okay, and um, Richard, Richard Howell's thoughts? Not, not, not surprised at all about Aston, Aston Kutcher, who's uh, invested in technology a lot over the last few years anyway. Everyone else sounded like they're just finding another way of getting paid. They're just there opening another avenue for getting money into their, into their hands, to be totally honest. There you go. Well, payment from Bitcoin. music to their ears. What can I say? And on that note, we've got about uh, five minutes left, and that means I can give each of you a whole one and a half minutes. That's 90 seconds. Count them for your prediction. If we meet again in the future, and I know we will, gentlemen, but if we met again on this topic, blockchain technology, hit or a miss for supply chain networks, where will the maturity of this topic be? I'm going to push you to focus on 2020. It's less than three years. It's uh, two years and, and two months away. So, Irfan Khan at Bristlecone, love to get your thoughts. Predict me what will change between now and 2020. Great. Interestingly, on 25th of October this year, we're having a customer event, Pulse in MIT, in conjunction with the professors in MIT to talk about the future of technology supply chain. And the three areas which to us uh, in 2020 would be very prominent is traceability, smart contracts, and safe transactions. For me, this is the, the future. Traceability means, for example, in food sector, the valid traceability of origin of ingredients and goods is a prerequisite for operating a trustworthy business. And uh, that becomes a prominent space. Smart contracts, uh, electronic contracts based on automated actions that are triggered through a predefined event. It could be used as automated execution of payments in case of an inequality on-time delivery and in a bigger picture, this scenario is an essential foundation for fully automated organizations and enterprises. The third is safe transactions, which is fundamentally blockchain will allow one to follow and track the journey of data, including the valid timestamps. And this is useful in wide variety of processes, especially in exchange of confidential information. So traceability, smart contract, and safe transactions are three prominent areas by 2020. Interesting. Okay. Sounds promising and sounds transparent. I like it. Richard Howells, I have a whole, I can give you a whole two minutes because Irfan was so concise and to the point. So Richard, (laughs) give me a nice, robust prediction. I think the biggest area or the first area is that we'll see a a bit um, blockchain coming into play is in the logistics area and tying together some of the things that Ifran actually said. I think track and trace is a huge area of tracking, tracking from farm to plate and giving consumers visibility of exactly where the source of origin of the products that they're buying. When you're looking at, com- at people that are looking for ethically sourced products, uh, that's a, a big thing. I also see a huge opportunity in the area of visibility across the supply chain and of tracking shipments, for example. It's estimated that about 90% of our global trade goes by ocean shipping and mm-hmm. one-fifth of the actual cost is, is around related documentation around that. So the contracts and the paperwork of cross-border trading and so on. If we could leverage uh, technologies such as Bitcoin to improve the, the, or digitize that process, we could integrate the shipping processes with, with, with their partners. We could have a digital tra- trace of all of the documentation Imagine if it only takes a day to get through customs instead of three days to get a big shipment through customs and you've saved two days in your supply chain. That would be a huge return on investment. 
So anywhere where track and trace is involved, where the um, the reduction of a paper supply chain to go to a digitized view of that network and digitizing your supply chain in general is where I see the opportunities for for um, blockchain in the supply chain. So the logistics areas are the first place that I see anything happening uh, and big, the biggest opportunities for short-term goal gains. Thank you very much, Irfan Khan of Bristol Thank you. You're perfect. Right on the money there in, in every possible way. I'll send you a Bitcoin payment for that great prediction, Richard. <laughs> Irfan Khan, I want to be the first radio host. I'll have to partner with somebody to use Bitcoin, but we don't, yeah, never mind. We don't exchange money here. Irfan Khan at Bristlecone. So pleased to reconnect with you, Irfan. You're so articulate and interesting. Richard Howells, I say the same exact thing about you. What a great panel today. And again, a shout out and appreciation to Suzanne Ellis and Shane Ellis and Rick Imber, the sponsors and movers and shakers behind the scenes at our series on supply chain here on Game Changers Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I don't even think I introduced myself, but I hope you know who I am by now. I'll be back in one hour. Count it right here on the Business Channel with a live edition of uh, we're bringing back our series that hasn't been on the air in a while. It is Financial Excellence with Game Changers and we're going to be talking about our topic is Visualization BI and Advanced Analytics Improving Enterprise Financial Financial performance, and we're going to be talking about Stan Vavrinka, the tennis player, has a quote from a famous Irish playwright tattooed on his arm. Quick, Richard or Afan, do you know whose quote is on Stan Vavrinka's forearm? Do you know who it is? Not funny. It's Samuel Beckett. Ever tried, mm-hmm. ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. There's a little bit of trivia for all of you. So we've got to go. It's time. I will talk to you in an hour. And here's my closing. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.